and welcome to another episode of Bridge the Gap. This is Shirley Smith. It is always a pleasure to have you listening with me. As you know, we discuss uh, the various societal gaps uh, that exist within our in our country and in the world, actually. And so with that, we try to look at our own mind, body, spirit, and soul and see how can we improve those areas of our life so that we can bridge the gaps that are in society because it takes one person at a time. And so this is what we're going to do today is talk about the economic gap. And as you know, one of the reasons why we have a huge gap between the very rich and the very poor, real estate happens to be one of them. Who owns the real estate? How much of the real estate do they own? How long has the real estate been in their family? Has it been only one generation or has it been generations upon generations upon generations? And so today we're going to talk about specifically one way to close the economic gap. And this is just one of the ways is to own real estate. Most individuals do not purchase real estate with cash. Now you can, of course, if you have the cash. But these days we're talking hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars for a home and one home at that end. And so then on top of that, there is commercial real estate. And so today we have someone who can help us to better understand how then do we get the money to actually purchase a home or even purchase commercial real estate. Because guess what, he does it all. So his name is Jeffrey Smalley. He is with PRMG, which is Paramount Residential Mortgage Group Incorporated. Jeffrey Smaller is a person with so much experience in the loan and real estate area. I will allow him to tell you about that himself so that I don't mess up anything or miss anything because of the multiple years of experience that he has. He's also very personable with his clients. So even though the process starts with online, you go online, fill out your application, and he takes it from there. All of us these days are working from our home. So that's one great thing, I guess, about having to be shut in for over two years. We have learned how to be very uh, precise and very efficient at our homes. So the process for you is very easy because you can go online, fill out your application, and then you will hear from him. Okay, so just to let you know, uh, PRMG, uh, his company is located in 48 states. Uh, their headquarters is out of Corona, California. Uh, the only states that they do not do loans in is happen to be Wyoming and New York. But all other states, uh, he's free to help you with whatever your situation is. And I'm particularly thinking about those of us who are relocating all over the country these days, because as we retire, as we do different things, we are relocating to other states. And so it's easy to have one person to kind of be in charge of everything when it comes to getting that loan out. So you need a loan unless you're going to pay cash. And so here Jeffrey is to tell you how that process works approximately how long it works and approximately what will not work <laughs> okay and so we look forward to hearing from Jeffrey so stay tuned we will be right back with Jeffrey Spalling This is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap, and today we have with us Jeffrey Smalley. 
He's actually with PRMG, and I think that stands for Paramount Residential Mortgage Company Group Incorporated. And so we're really glad to have him because on Bridge the Gap, we talk about gaps that exist in our society. And one of those gaps is an economic gap, and that's for people who are still trying to figure out, how do I own real estate? So I think Jeffrey is a perfect person to, to talk with us about loans and mortgages and you know how we qualify and what's the best thing for us. So welcome to Bridge the Gap, Jeffrey. Well, Shirley, thank you for having me. Okay, you're um, welcome. For those of you who are listening, I am a senior loan officer with Paramount Residential. I've been both a mortgage broker and a mortgage lender uh, for over 35 years. For 15 of those years, I helped my own business as a mortgage broker, licensed in Georgia and Florida. I was also a licensed real estate broker during that time period. So I like to think I've had a little bit of an experience in, in the real estate and mortgage business. And hopefully today we'll be able to pass on um, some of that useful information to those of you who are interested in learning how to become either a first time, second time, third time home buyer, investor in a second home, investor in an investment real estate or whatever it is that uh, you want to accomplish. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's certainly a pleasure to have you here. And I think the, all the information that you have will be very helpful to anyone who's listening to us. Uh, so first of all, I have a question to just start us off. Uh, what does the funding come from? When we talk about mortgages and loans, where does that funding come from to fund mortgages? Okay. In our business, um, we refer to the real source of the money that we loan for mortgages as the secondary market. And the secondary market includes both institutional and private investors. These are the people that uh, create and purchase and hold bonds that are called mortgage-backed securities. So. The people who buy mortgage-backed securities are the people who hold pension funds, pension plans, hedge funds, 401k plans, bond funds, exchange traded funds. Basically, where most of you are invested uh, with your life savings and your retirement funds, some portion of them are probably held uh, in the form of mortgage-backed securities. So there are three big entities um, that basically create and sell mortgage-backed securities. The first is what you've heard of as Fannie Mae, which stands for the Federal National Mortgage Association. The second one is the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation. They're referred to as Freddie Mac. Then there's the Government National Mortgage Association, which is referred to as Ginny May. So between the three of them, they probably account for about 95% of all mortgages that exist in the United States. 
Then there's the private institutions that like investment banks, financial institutions, a few of the large national home builders who also create um, mortgage-backed securities and, and um, sell those to institutional investors. So that's the secondary market. The primary market is the one that I function in and companies like Paramount Residential Mortgage Group and Wells Fargo and, and Chase and um, a few of the others. We are basically mortgage bankers and we have re relationships with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mae um, to buy the loans that we create for our customers. So there's basically two ways or two channels where loans get originated. One is by mortgage bankers, of which PRMG is one, and the other is by mortgage brokers. And PRMG is a little bit unique in that we also have the ability as loan originators to operate as mortgage brokers, and I'll explain that a little bit later on. Okay. Well, that was an excellent explanation of things. So then speaking of this, you talked about um, Fannie Mae and uh, Freddie Mac and so forth. Uh, what are some of the uh, types of loans and what are their key major differences when we start okay. talking about them? Well, first, let me talk about a, a few key definitions. Okay. Most, most people refer to mortgages and they don't know what legal document they're referring to. But a mortgage is the legal document that pledges a property as security for a loan. So as an example, in the state of Georgia, the document that does that is called a security deed. The thing that people refer to as a mortgage is actually the thing that is the mortgage note. And that is the loan document that defines the terms and conditions of the loan instrument itself. So in this arena of mortgages, we talk about conventional mortgages, and these are defined as first mortgage loans that are provided by an institutional lender that is not a government entity meaning FHA, VA, or USDA. Uh, and it is not an insured or guaranteed loan product. So then you have a breakdown of conforming mortgages and what we call non-QM mortgages. So a loan that conforms to the product guidelines and specifications established by either Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac are referred to as QM mortgages these days. And those are what are typically referred to as conventional mortgages. Non-QM mortgages within the conforming arena are loans whose guidelines are unique to the loan products that were created by the company that offers them. So on the other side of conventional loans are the government loans. And these are loans that come from the Federal Housing Administration, the Veterans Administration, and 
the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture's Rural, Rural Housing Service. So a little bit more about each. The Federal Housing Administration, or FHA, is not actually a lender. What it is, is it's an insurance entity. It insures mortgage loans that have lower down payments and higher credit risks than conventional conforming loans. They typically have an upfront mortgage premium um, and monthly premiums that are paid by the borrower for the life of their loans. Veterans administration loans, on the other hand, involve a guarantee. And in that arena, the federal government is guaranteeing that in the event of a default on the loan, they will cover the lender's losses. Um, VA loans are unique in that they offer veterans 100% financing. And pretty much their guidelines are in alignment with conventional mortgages. There is an upfront funding fee uh, unless the veteran happens to have a disability that, that creates an exemption from paying the upfront funding fee. Okay. USDA loans are also loans that um, <clears throat> have no down payment and they can be for 100% of the purchase price of the property. USDA's upfront fee is pretty much a loan guarantee um, that in the event of default, USDA will step in and make the borrower whole. Um, Okay, and so how did, um, uh, how, what particular products do you think are most popular that you're seeing uh, crossing your desk these days? And which ones you think are more particular to uh, PRMG? Well, that, that is really a difficult question to answer because PRMG is a primary lender of both Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, USDA, non-QM products. And when we don't have a product amongst those categories where we originate, set up, process, underwrite, close, fund, and service those loans. We also have the ability, we have arrangements with 38 other mortgage companies that I'm allowed to broker a loan to. So in that arena, when you expand out to those 38 companies, I'm not sure that there is a residential purchase or refinance situation that I don't have a loan product that will meet a particular borrower's parameters. Okay. However, amongst those things, there are some special products that are unique. One of which is a first time home buyer program 
offered both by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Fannie Mae's program is called Home Ready. Um, and Freddie Mac's is, a, forgive me, I forgot the name for a second. Uh, both of those programs offer a first time home buyer the ability to make only a 3% down payment. They're unique in the fact that you don't really have to be a first-time home buyer. You can be a first-time home buyer by definition if you have not owned any real estate in the last three years preceding the closing date on your Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan. So Freddie Mac's program is is called um, Home Prospecting. Okay. Uh, The other key programs that are popular, obviously, are the VA and USDA loans if someone is eligible because they have no down payments. There are some other programs for individuals who cannot document their income in a normal fashion. So if for any reason, pay stubs, W-2s, 1099s, and tax returns um, are not capable of providing adequate evidence of accountable income. There are non-QM loans that have alternative ways um, that you can come up with qualifying income um, by using bank statements, business profit and loss statements, uh, and asset documents where you use a form of asset depletion to calculate somebody's countable income for a loan. Uh, In the investment arena, and by the way, in the mortgage business, a property to be acquired can only be defined one of three ways. It's either your primary residence, it's a second home, or it's an investment property. There There are no other definitions. So, if you happen to be a someone who's interested in investing in real estate in the conventional arena that means it can be a single family property or a multi-unit property of one to four units in that arena there is something called debt service coverage ratio calculation where you can use um, the current lease versus um, the monthly mortgage payment Uh, to come up with a qualifying income calculation. So that that pretty much, I think, covers the possible answers to to that particular question. Well, that sounds like a whole lot of possibilities. (laughs) So then... Well, listen, what what I normally tell people and the agents who represent them, each individual financial profile is absolutely unique 
to the individuals that want to borrow the money. And so being a mortgage loan officer, it's kind of like trying to be a custom tailor. You have to fit the loan product to the borrower's profile. And that profile includes what's their countable income, what are their countable assets, and what does their credit history look like? Because it takes a combination of those three factors to get somebody qualified and pre-approved for a loan transaction. Okay, so three things. That's not that's not a bad deal. How long does this um, process take? The loan process from say beginning to end. How about approximately how long does that take? Assuming that the process starts on day one with a prospective borrower doing an online secure and encrypted loan application. Okay. That part of the process, assuming that they've got all of the information when they sit down to do it, maybe takes worst case scenario, 20 to 40 minutes. Okay. The system I have that does that tells me when that person starts and it tells me when that person finishes their application. And when they have finished, they've also given permission for us to pull a three repository in-file mortgage credit report so that we have all of the borrowers on the loan's credit scores. That whole process takes two or three minutes. Okay. Once all that stuff is in, then the next part of the process is my looking at everything they did, uh, figuring out what alternatives they're gonna have for financing. I get on the phone with them. We talk about um, what's available and what choices they have. Once that occurs and we arrive at a dollar amount of um, a loan that they can qualify for and then price of the house that uh, they can qualify for based on what size down payment they're going to make. Then we send them out with a real estate agent to go find out. In that arena, there is no telling how long that could take. You know, they might get lucky, find the first house, get it under contract and get back to me. That's when my process really starts. Um, once I have a contract and can fill out the rest of their application with the details of the contract, the purchase price, the size of the down payment, um, who the closing agent is going to be, uh, what the closing date is going to be, I then have the ability for the first time to issue an initial loan estimate. Okay. So the guidelines that are, have been created by the Consumer Financial Protection Board um, as a result of the Dodd-Frank um, Financing Act. As soon as I have six different pieces of information, the borrower's name, a property address, a, an estimate of the value of the property, a loan amount, borrower's income and their social security numbers, by law, I have a loan that must be disclosed. 
and that disclosure has to take place within three business days of the time my system knows I've got those six basic pieces of information. Okay. So once the disclosures are signed, then I have an individual whose definition of their job is set up person. That person then orders the appraisal, orders the title work, and orders any other third party um, verifications and or documents that we have to have to go with the file. The file then moves over to a processor who puts all of the collected documents together um, in a piece of software that we call Encompass, which is where everything occurs with respect to that loan. So once all of that information comes together, the loan is submitted to an underwriter um, for its initial underwriting. So from the time the disclosure package is signed until the loan gets into underwriting for the first time, that process can take anywhere from 24 hours to four or five days, depending on the complexity of what it is we've got to have. Once the loan goes into underwriting, it then depends on how busy the underwriters are. Right now, our underwriting turn times are 24 to 48 hours. Okay. So when the loan comes out of underwriting, it may come out with conditions that myself and my processor have to acquire before we can resubmit the loan in order for it to get cleared to close. Sometimes that process can be truly cumbersome if what we're after is something difficult or we have to rely on a third party to get it to us. So some of the things that we ask for come from entities that like through the pandemic, they were understaffed. And so things that we used to get in a day or two sometimes took a week or two. Pretty much those things are, are coming under control uh, so that we can keep the process moving. So once the loan is cleared to close, the loan then goes and moves over to a closing department. Our closing department gets with the closing agent, which in Georgia, they're attorneys. In other states, they're the title insurance companies. But our closers and their closers get together and they finalize um, the final closing disclosure statement. Once that's done, we can then uh, send copies of the entire closing package and wire the funds for the closing. And so, in a best case scenario, that can be completed in 14 to 21 days. Okay. Uh, normally, we ask at least 30 days okay. and if it's a complex transaction I may tell an agent that they need 45 days okay. and if you got something that's really difficult and you know that you have any kind of seasoning requirements where the loan underwriting guidelines require some length of time to transpire before you can do something else sometimes Worst case scenario, you could have like a 60 day window to get everything done. And so that's pretty much for uh, 
the overview for purchases and refinances. Okay. So then based upon the loan going into underwriting, what potential things could hinder the loan's approval? First and foremost, the biggest thing that can negatively impact getting a loan approved are credit issues. Okay. As I'm sure all your listeners are aware, credit reports come with credit scores. So when we order a credit report, the type of report that we order is referred to as a mortgage credit report. It always involves all three repositories of Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And they are the most comprehensive type of credit reports that are available. All of the different loan products have minimum credit score requirements. So as an example, FHA's minimum score requirement for us is 580. For Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, it's 620. VA, you can go down to 580. USDA, you can go down to 600. At any rate, when we get the credit report back, there are a number of things that we look for immediately that can cause problems. And usually those are the things that are in the derogatory uh, category. So things like collection accounts, things like past due accounts, um, things like judgments, bankruptcies that haven't been seasoned long enough. All of those derogatory kinds of items can create immediate issues that have to be dealt with uh, to get someone qualified. Secondarily, when you look at a credit report, each of the different lines of creditors are referred to as trade lines. And when you look at those, you basically look at what the monthly mortgage or what the monthly payment is for that particular account. When you're qualifying someone, there are two ratios that get calculated compared to their income. One is what the monthly mortgage payment is going to be, and that's referred to as a front ratio. Okay. And then you take whatever the monthly mortgage payment is going to be for principal, interest, taxes, and insurances, and you add to it the monthly amounts for all of the debts, for car loans, student loans, uh, installment loans, revolving charge accounts, etc. You add all that together and you take that as a percentage of someone's monthly income and that produces what we call a debt to income ratio or DTI. Okay. The second biggest problem after credit issues is when somebody's DTI is bigger than what they want to do. And so that's when you get into a situation where may have to uh, be willing to accept 
a lower priced house with a larger down payment or some combination of the above. But those two issues, income and credit history, are probably the two biggest things that cause an issue. The third is whether or not the borrowers have enough funds to do what they want to do. Because when you're buying a house, you have to have the funds for one, a down payment. Okay. Two, closing costs okay. on the loan. Three, something called prepaid and escrow items. So the prepaids are interest on the loan from the day of closing to the last day of the month in which it closes and the first year's homeowner's insurance premium. Escrows are the amounts of money that have to be put up for homeowner's insurance and real estate taxes to go into escrow accounts so that when those two items become due, that the money is in your account in order to pay them. The third item that can require funds, which you don't have to spend, but you may have to have in the bank, is called reserves. So depending on the type of loan, depending on what your qualifications are for the loan, you may have to put up anywhere from two to six to 12 months worth of reserves depending on the degree of risk that an automated underwriting system determines is, is required. So backing up a little bit, one of the tools that we use for pre-approval, both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have automated underwriting systems that have been created to underwrite both Fannie and Freddie loans, FHA loans, and VA loans. USDD has their own automated underwriting system um, that we use for that. But basically what happens is we put the entire profile um, through that process before we ever send it to underwriting because that system comes back and tells us whether or not we have an approvable and eligible transaction. And if not, it tells us why. And if it tells us that it's proved ineligible, it also tells us how we need to document the file. Okay. Okay, so even though a lot of the products there will not require, in some cases, a down payment, but people still need money, so they shouldn't come to the table not expecting not to have any kind of money. <laughs> well, and, and listen, the answer to that question is yes. Those few people that come to, to the table with very little of their own money usually have someone that is prepared to give them a gift or in some cases they are qualified for some form of grant or down payment assistance program okay okay well that's very good so then listening to all of this this sounds like an excellent uh, overview of what the loan process is all about and how to get started so the only thing that we're lacking is where are you <laughs> How can they contact you? And uh, when would you like for them to contact you? 
other than as soon as possible? <laughs> the first answer is, and this is what I always tell all of the real estate agents and, and others um, that refer people to me, it is never, ever too early to start the application process. Okay. Because until we find out what your credit history looks like and what your personal financial circumstance looks like, mm. you don't know where you're starting from. You don't know what kind of issues may have to be addressed, what kind of additional funds you may need to get where you want to go. You have no idea whether or not uh, there's incorrect information on your credit report that may, may need to be corrected or whatever. So it is never, ever too early to start the process. Okay. My process typically starts with sending a potential applicant an invitation via email with a link to my secure and encrypted website where they can do one of these online applications. So, let me back up a moment and then I'll, I'll fill in the rest of the blanks. My company, PRMG, is headquartered in Corona, California. Okay. Um, we're a little over 24 years old. Okay. We employ over 3,000 people and we operate and originate loans in 48 of the 50 states. Okay. The two okay. states where we don't are Wyoming and New York, um, primarily because their requirements are ones that we don't care to have to deal with. Okay. Um, Myself, I am licensed um, to originate in Georgia and Florida uh, without any assistance. Okay. For the other 46 states, if someone needs a loan in one of those states, I have uh, loan officer affiliates who are licensed in those states. They take care of a few upfront requirements um, that are required by the licensed loan originator. But once those are taken care of, the loan comes back to me and my processor. And once the initial disclosures are out, I handle the loan all the rest of the way to a final closing. Okay. So locally, I am assigned to a branch. Um, our official address is 5490 McGinnis Village Place in Alpharetta, Georgia. Um, However, it is an official location because pretty much everyone involved in our process works from wherever their laptop is located these days <laughs> because the entire process is electronic uh, to the point that I can go from an initial phone call with a prospective borrower all the way to the day of their closing and never meet them face to face. However, I do attend all of my purchase transaction closings because that's the only opportunity I oftentimes have to get to, to meet my, uh, my customers. Okay. So the bottom line is my office is wherever me and my laptop happen to be sitting. Okay. Most of the time it's in the office where I'm sitting right now, which happens to be in the basement of my, of my home. Okay. So my email address is jsmalley 
J-S-M-A-L-L-E-Y at P-R-M-G dot N-E-T. So it's jsmalley at P-R-M-G dot net okay. is my email address. And my cell phone, <coughs> excuse me, my cell phone number is 770-630-6810. best way to contact me is to either call me or send me a text message okay if you send me a text message send me your name your telephone number and your email address and i guarantee you that i will get back to you as quickly as i possibly can usually within minutes or hours worst case no more than 24 hours okay well, it sounds like we've all had that opportunity to work from home, so we do understand that. But the other thing it sounds like, too, is that you're very efficient and will get the process done as quickly as possible. So I would like to just thank you for being on Bridge the Gap, because we do need people to have your information, know how to contact you, and so that they can move forward with purchasing. This is a fast-moving market, and as some people say, it's not your grandmother's market anymore. So we appreciate you so much, Jeffrey. Um, thank you for being with us today. And thank you for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity to um, relay information to your listeners. Okay, well, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for joining Bridge the Gap, another episode down. And so this episode, hopefully you're learning how to bridge your personal gaps, uh, economic gaps, when it comes to ownership of real estate. So make sure you take heed of Jeffrey Smalley's information. Uh, his uh, cell number is 770-630-6810. If you would like my cell number as well, it's 770-715-5935. Uh, also, just to let you know that uh, you can go to my website as well, and that's shirleysmith.palmerhouseproperties.com, okay? And, uh, or you can just go to my website, which is eewfcares.com, eewfcares.com. It has been my pleasure to bring this information to you about bridging the economic gap in your life and hopefully it will be very good information for you your friends your relatives your peers so please pass it on and let people know where they can go to get started applying for a loan so that they can buy the house of their dreams it has been a blessing to be with you today and may god bless you this is shirley smith with bridge the gap <music>